0: SLC Library, I'm Tim Kale, and this is the Sarah Lawrence Library Podcast. For today, we'll be joined by Mustafa Zakaria to discuss a lot of the projects that we've got going on here at the library, but particularly the party, the library party that is going to take place on Saturday, September 3rd from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. And I'll tell you more about that as we get into the episode. But before we begin, I encourage you to visit our website www.sarahlawrence.com library. There you can check the status of your books, book a consultation with one of our research librarians, or book a study room so that you'll have some private study time. Also, follow us on social media at SLC Library on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for news, updates, and archival images. Another thing that's happened that I'm very excited about is you may notice that you're hearing music right now, and this music is a little different. You haven't heard it before. Well, the reason this is new music and you haven't heard it before is because it's original music from one of our very own Sarah Lawrence students, Uh, Owen Anderson Composed and mixed This music that you're listening to right now About a year ago I got an idea Of wouldn't it be cool If we could get original music from one of our music students to play for episodes of the podcast. And Joan Rudd, thank uh, Joan very much for helping out with this. Uh, Joan Rudd of the Marshall Field Music Building pointed me in the direction of this recital that had Owen in it. And I saw Owen, I heard him playing, and I thought, this this is good. I'm going to reach out to him. And I reached out to him and he was like, yeah, sure, I'm game. Just let me get my equipment together in the middle of the summer when I'm back at SLC and I'll be able to put something together for you. And he did. All I did was give him a description of the tone I was going for. And just based on that, he was able to construct something that I feel is perfect for the show. So thank you very much, Owen. Your work is greatly appreciated. And now it's going to be listened to by anyone who downloads this podcast. And if you enjoy this podcast, please give it a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcast. Those ratings and reviews go a long way in helping us find our audience and continue to grow and expand. We got a lovely five-star review from a parent, and if if I if you'll indulge me, I'm going to read the the review for you here. I'm a parent of a student starting fall twenty-two. So they're they're starting in a in a week uh, Tim is a fantastic host, has a calm and pleasant voice, and is skilled at keeping the conversation going. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that compliment. After listening to the first few episodes, I feel confident about sending my kid to SLC. You don't know what that means to me. like to hear that and to us at the library when, we re- when I read this aloud to the other librarians they, it, it like, you know, it, it was heart, more than heartwarming. It heart-melted. <laughs> uh, the podcast guests are intelligent, extremely nice, and provide clear and detailed information about the services offered at the library. I am so impressed with the services and resources available at SLC. I highly recommend this podcast to any incoming student or any parent who wants to know more about the college. So, I mean, you know, they can't all be like that. But, man, if you could write a review like that, (laughs) that would be great. Um, It it really gives us a boost and makes it like, oh, okay, people actually are listening. I'm not shouting into the voice. So, yeah, I think that about. Oh, no, I got to let you know a little bit more about this party as i promised there will be a podcasting station slash 3d printing station in the e1 classroom that's where i'm going to be that's where i plan to be anyway um printing keychains and talking to anyone who wants to come talk to me so that's going to be interesting there'll be food and drink in the learning commons uh, the main floor, the first floor of the library, is going to be where the dancing is taking place. There will be a DJ. Uh, there will be dancing, and there will be room for you to dance. There'll be lighting. We're going to try and we're going all out to try and make this party as comfortable and inviting and cool as possible. And on the lower level, it's going to be like a, a calmer, cooler, chill-out zone with like tea lights and like just a, a, a loungy area. Um, so yeah, that's going to be the party. And once again, that is on September 3rd from 8 PM to 10 PM in the library. Just uh, come on in, give us a, just out of pure curiosity. What does a library party look like? That's enough. Just come on in, check it out (laughs) and then maybe dance a little bit. Uh, okay. All right. That about does it for this intro. It's time to get started on this conversation. Thank you for lending me your ears. It's always appreciated. All right, let's get to it. So here we are again, uh, at the podcasting station in your office, <laughs> Great. um, we're coming off of working very hard over the course of a few months this summer. A lot of new things are happening. Um, how, how has your first summer at, uh, Sarah Lawrence college gone? Well,
1: thanks for asking. I'm uh, really happy to be here again for another podcast. So generally summers are slower, uh, in certain ways for libraries, We don't have the population of students, Uh, faculty activity obviously is at a downturn. But what that means is we can get to those projects that we don't normally get to during the year because we're too busy doing all the things that we normally do, you know, keeping the place running. So uh, this summer we had an opportunity to do some major weeding. We began our first weeding uh, uh, phase, which what that means is looking at your collection and removing books that are no longer needed or used or that are simply old and worn out. And so we did that first by removing uh, really, really uh, uh, shoddy-looking, torn, ripped, moldy materials downstairs. And we did some significant work there. But that's really just the first level of work. The next level of work is to look at usage statistics to see what has not been used over the last five or ten years. Anything that's not been used at all really is not doing anybody any good by being in the library. And so that would be the next level of weeding that we do. do. What that does is it creates a very accurate and meaningful collection for usage. That's the whole point. The point is to have a, a collection that's used. And um, you can do that in a very thoughtful way, which, we, which we're doing. And that, those are usually projects that you do in the summer, you know, sometimes in the winter, but obviously during break periods. So that's been a big project. The other project is hiring our and uh, onboarding our new digital humanities librarian. Yes. So Claudia Berger.
0: We've never had this position before.
1: That's absolutely right. It's a first for the college and very excited about that. Um, Claudia is located in our archives office, which makes sense because we really want to integrate the archives into digital humanities, which is really uh, about uh, working with technology to create digital products of your sch- scholarly work, whether it could be a interactive map or a podcast or a deep text analysis of you know classic literature, you use digital tools to to uh, examine, explore, and produce data from your source of research. Whatever that research is, whether it's Shakespeare or Yonkers or river systems in Texas, whatever your area of of work is, you deal with it on using digital technologies. And so I've been working with Claudia to develop some ideas, and she's already starting to integrate with some of our faculty. So a lot of that work we began in the summer And uh, the other thing we're doing is, of course, preparing for orientation and the first ever party.
0: Yes, we're having a party here at the the library. (laughs) It's going to be great.
1: Party at the library. That's right. And we're calling it a library takeover. And um, I'm very excited about this. Uh, The first year dean, um, Nahal Kivan, she approached me asking me if we'd be interested in hosting something like a... um, you know, like a burlesque show or, um, or uh, you know, some kind of an event pajama party. And I had already been thinking about this uh, in the context of a Halloween party. I'd, because, you know, our building, our uh, library building does look like a castle. And I think it would just look wonderful dressed up as a haunted castle for Halloween. <laughs> I think it's just, it's really made for it. It's got kind of like a moat and a drawbridge <laughs> Get in. It's got um, spiral
0: staircase, a spiral staircase yeah. like a turret, yeah,
1: kind of like a tower. There's a like a Macbeth type tower, and um, it just it just has that feeling to it, and I can I can just picture it with. Um, there's just no level of what you could do in terms of Halloween. It's my favorite holiday, but what we're gonna do is start with an orientation party. And if that really works out well, we can move on to this idea of a Halloween party. So what all,
0: what all will you have at this orientation party? So let me just kind of
1: say a little bit about the whole idea for those out there that are thinking, like, why would you want to have a party in a library? Well, you know, uh, again, I just want to frame this by saying that um, uh, libraries are changing and evolving. Uh, public libraries over the last 20 years have really become much more diverse, um, You know they're really leading the charge in terms of bringing things like maker spaces into the library, learning how to fix tools, how to repair equipment in the library in public libraries, building your career skills, um, having art exhibits, art galleries. uh, you know, having um, speakers come in, theater and film. I mean, the Yonkers Library has, is, has a seed exchange program where people can come in and get seeds for plantings. So public libraries have really led the way of transforming their identity and becoming more part of the civic life of, 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 a, of a community, which has always been the role of a library, but it's simply bringing it to the next level. And in the age of Internet, when everyone's behind a screen, You know, you need to have people come together physically and learn and grow together. And, you know, a great example, there are libraries around the world like the Helsinki Library, which top to bottom was designed with this idea of community integration in a very big way. It's almost like the books have become secondary because, you know, the books are becoming electronic these days. So many things are digital. So really there's an opportunity for libraries to grow. And so I'd like to do that for the Sarah Lawrence Library invent new things. I've talked about this in other podcasts. And one idea is this idea of having a party, just making it a fun place. And, and, and the other thing I just want to say about that is there is a practical component to that. You know, statistics do show that students are often afraid to use the library. They're actually afraid to ask for help. They're, sometimes they're a little intimidated. They think it's hard to understand. They think it's hard to navigate. How do I find a book? Especially first generation students, often even on gender, you know, often men are more than women are afraid to ask for help. And so the idea of having a party is to make the library approachable Um, and just to say, hey, we are a fun place. And, you know, please come in here, have fun here, dance here. We're going to have a DJ. It's going to be at night for a couple hours. The library is a place to have fun. And once you have that idea in the in the mindset uh, of an undergrad, then maybe it's going to be easier to come into the library and use it for you know actual real scholarship and scholarly work and research. And the other advantage of having a party in the library is then students will physically get to know the library, so that when they come in, they're going to know. Oh yeah, that's where this is. That's where ILL is. We're hoping that students that come into the library for the party will get that physical orientation, so that they so they'll immediately be able to know what's what at least. In the main first area of the first floor and, and, the, and the lower area of the library, so I think they're gaining practical knowledge. There, we're making the library approachable, and the and students will be more, maybe more inclined to come in again. So I think I think it's all positive.
0: Yeah, well, it's a part of or a natural extension of what I view as your vision of librarianship and your vision of what libraries can and should be in people's lives. And I heard you talking about the civic community. We at Sarah Lawrence are a part of a community. We are a multifaceted uh, variety of people making up uh, this community here. And isn't it good? Isn't it just a positive thing that the library could serve as a hub for that community, as a way for people to come and express themselves through dance? Mm -hmm. I think it's beautiful and a, a great way to kick off the school year and a great way of saying... You know, like you said, uh, some people might be scared of asking questions or coming to the library. This shows the line that the library is not too serious for its own good. Uh, We are here to entertain all questions and all comers and just help you have the best experience you possibly can have at Sarah Lawrence College.
1: Absolutely, you know I I want to break tradition and I want to make tradition. You know I want to create new traditions at uh, at Sarah Lawrence. I, I would be honored to do that. Um, you know everyone wants to. I I would love to have some kind of like a legacy, and, and my, I hope my legacy would be creating new traditions. So you know um, you had mentioned dance. You know a lot of libraries will in will have what's called flash mobs. You know the uh the you know the dance students will come into the library and. and and suddenly start dancing during study period, they'll just you know, and that's a that's a wonderful stress relief. That's a wonderful way of breaking up what could be a stressful moment in the in the semester. And then all of a sudden, there's these crazy dancers in the library, you know, um, or singers suddenly have an a cappella group come into the library and start singing. <laughs> you know, um, I've seen that. We, I did that at one of my previous libraries and it just creates this fun moment. Everybody puts their pencil paper down, they look up and they're like, oh, this is crazy, this is new, and it's just different. And it's something that you talk about later at dinner. You know, it's like, oh my God, this singing group was in the library.
0: Sarah Lawrence have a singing group? I you know I don't I know if they, they do, do they? I don't know I've been here for almost eight years now and I don't know the answer to that question because I gotta say that would be awesome if like just the singing group just came into the library and just started singing at random. I have, an idea, I have an idea for a movie, <laughs> where you know how in the news it's almost always negative information that you're hearing, of course. or like a virus that spreads, for example, not unlike the one we've been dealing right. with. Okay. It spreads and people exhibit symptoms of said virus. Right. I got the idea. I was in the shower thinking one day, <laughs> and it's, a good place it, to think. it's probably because you you, think, you sing in the shower in addition to think, uh, and it just occurred to me: what if? spontaneous singing was a virus that started spreading <laughs> among people. <laughs> and the movie just was people suddenly bursting into song, and sometimes it's uh, synchronized, and sometimes it's asynchronous. But it just uh, I just love that idea. And that seems like some, that's something Sarah Lawrence students, if you want to make a short film out of that idea, just let me know.
1: You'd be surprised at how many students love musical theater. Yeah. Uh, my own daughter is absolutely in love with musical theater. And wouldn't it be great if, when we're really depressed, we could suddenly start singing our way yeah. out of the, de- <laughs> the <laughs> depression? Or yeah. if you're suddenly excited about something, you could suddenly start singing about it. Or uh, you know, or if you're at work, I'm thinking of that show, "How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying." You know, all of a sudden, you're feeling really ambitious, and you start singing that, "I'm going to rise to the top of this organization." Song. Yep. Uh, if you could break into song. You'd, it probably would be great for your mental health and would just make life so much interesting. You know, people who are singers kind of just do this naturally. They'll start singing. My, my daughter's a singer and she'll just, she'll start singing. And I can tell she's singing according to her mood. If she's in a certain mood, she'll start singing. That's fascinating. And if there isn't an acapella group at Sarah Lawrence, there should be, because I know that there's a music program here. <coughs> Excuse me but i don't think it's voice oriented or voice i i believe it's instruments and uh but but it's too bad well, there then is well get
0: a quartet
1: yeah. to come set up shop and just play all day one day barbershop quartet or yeah that's what that's what we had at the library at my other institution it was actually a barbershop quartet Oh, okay. came in and started singing right in the right in the main reading room of the library it was hilarious it was fantastic but yeah i mean or or it could be, you know, like I said, or you could just play a music from a speaker system or something, or I don't know. But the idea of performance in the library is something I'm very, very much have been thinking about for quite a while, actually. Um, you know, uh, the first, uh, I think I mentioned this in a previous podcast, uh, the first uh, article I ever wrote, peer-reviewed article I ever published was called... Um, uh, Snake Hill and the practice of bibliographic cinema. it was a little bit of a tongue in cheek article, but what I was proposing in the article was that libraries could actually uh, be places for making films. I, I don't mean just like you need you know like you need a scene in a library or you you need a scene with books. I mean the library itself is part of the film. And so I actually created a film called Snake Hill, which was about a librarian or like a researcher researching uh, an environmental disaster, a fictitious environmental disaster. And ever since then, I've always thought about the idea of of performance or filming in the library and this idea of filming or recreating famous library scenes from movies in the library. Um, The one that I always talk about is uh, Wings of Desire, the film by Wim Wenders, the German filmmaker, which is one of my top most favorite films and there's a famous scene in the Berlin State Library where uh, there's these angels uh, in the, in the film and the angels can hear people's minds they can listen to what's going on in somebody's mind so the library the, uh, the the angels are in the library and they're coming over to people that are studying and reading and they're actually they bend down and they listen to their thoughts and the people in the library are have they just have really really depressing thoughts. <laughs> they're just thinking, I mean, they're studying, but they're also thinking, how am I going to pay the rent? Oh my God, my husband's going to get mad at me again because I, 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 I'm I, working without him knowing. And, and all these different people, they're listening to the thoughts of all these different people and they're sympathizing, they're angels and they sympathize with people and they empathize. And I, I've always wanted to recreate that beautiful scene uh, in, in 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 a library, and I think the Sarah Lawrence Library would be perfect for it. It's got just the right alcoves and places, and I, I could have actors, I could have Sarah Lawrence students, be in the role of the uh, the angels. I could they could dress up like they did in the movie. They have like these long overcoats, and it would be black and white. You would you would post production you would post produce it so it's in black and white, and I think it would just be a beautiful moment. And then instead of having. Uh, um, a script, a written, a pre-written script, it would actually be the actual thoughts of students, like their actual, actual thoughts and worries, which would be, obviously you'd have to pre-record that and then play it as a, and then, and, and then, uh, plug it into the, uh, post-production, but it would be actual worries and concerns of students. And that's what the angels, that's what they'd be listening to. So it would have like this real element to it. Um, so, it sounds yeah. like
0: a short film sequel. Yeah, to Wings of Desire. It could. It is. And and I, I know it, logically it makes sense too. And if it was, uh, they're here and they're, they're speaking English here. That's right. Um, so there wouldn't need to be subtitles, but that's fine. Yeah. Because within the reality of the Wim, Wim Wenders uh, film. The angels, the- theoretically, are everywhere. They are. So they could, they could be, and it makes sense that they yes. like hanging out in libraries. Yes. Because a library is a place where you're just going to get people's thoughts. They're not going to be right. talking. That's good So point. they're going to be thinking. And so the angels, they like hearing the thoughts right. of human beings and empathizing with them. Yeah. So it actually makes sense even within the framework <laughs> of the film you're referencing. Those
1: are Those are two good points. You're right. People don't... They're not supposed to talk in libraries. They're supposed to think in libraries. Yes. And so it it is a great place to absorb people what they're thinking. Um, And you're right. The angels are everywhere.
0: Well, and this... uh this is maybe dragging the conversation too far back down to earth. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to do that. Um, but what do you say to the person who doesn't want a makerspace, who wants, yeah. wants a library to be a mostly silent study space? What do, you, what do you have to say to them?
1: Well, we did have a survey. And on the survey in the spring, I asked students, if there were a makerspace in the library, what technologies would you want to see? And I had about seven or eight technologies I had things like um, programming, you know, computer programming, uh, 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 software and equipment, um, GIS mapping software, sewing machines, 3D printing, AV, uh, audio visual editing systems. And so um, the number one technology was sewing. People wanted sewing machines. And um, number two was um, audio video editing. Number three was 3D printing. Um, but there, were, there was also an open comments area. And we probably had 20 to 30 comments saying, I love the idea of a makerspace, love it, don't know what, what, what to suggest, but I like the idea. And there were maybe one or two comments of people saying, we don't need a makerspace, you know, we need more quiet study, we need more study space. So, so I know that it's not the majority of students that, are, that would be not like the idea, but for those that do I, do, I do want to say that it's all about balance and compromise. I don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. You cannot throw out quiet study space. You know That is a strong, strong and expressed desire of students. And it's in the, it's in the survey data. It's anecdotal. Students want, demand, and need and should have quiet study space. It's a question of how can you balance it to have both. Yeah. So my idea is to those students, as I say, um, the lower level of the library is already kind of configured and oriented for a little bit of more sort of hubbub and noise. Because there's a vending machine area with tables where students can sit around tables, which automatically promotes talking and there's also bathrooms down there it's also near the IT office and so there's a lot of traffic going in and out so that part of the lower level is already and we also tell students they can eat down there because that's where the vending machines are so there's already a certain level of not just pure quiet study happening so i'm just trying to go one step further and formalize that and say let's 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 have much more um, sort of activity and animation in that area. Not even necessarily the entire lower, lower area of the library, but the vending machine area, the area perhaps um, where the patio is, could could have some activity there or may or not. But the area by the vending machines, I think, is kind of like could have that without a lot of sound bleeding up anywhere because it's isolated from the upper floors. you wouldn't have any noise bleed and then the upper floors the first floor the upper level could absolutely be quiet study silent study you know whisper level only but then we have this balance we have this compromise and i just don't think it's a huge loss because i quite frankly i think there's already a lot of sort of um um sort of students talking in that area
0: yeah we've always had um, suggestions for increased quiet study space or decreased quiet study space—it's—it's it's a desire for one or the other that is always going to need to be balanced out in yeah. any library. Uh, at least like ours, where you have acad- because our library is not just a library; it's a it's a complex building. It also is where people come to teach their classes and to take their classes. So every time a class lets out, there's going to be the ch- the post yeah. chat classroom chatter right. that's going to happen, and you have to allow for that at the at the info desk so where we're checking books in and out. So that there's going to be noise. Right. So, but that's what's great about the library is that it even even with all that. That. We still have gone out of our way as best we can to accommodate that desire for quiet study, and you can search the library and find those spaces. They're usually on the periphery yeah. of the building, um, but those spaces exist, and you'll find confidants like in in students yeah. who want the same, and there'll be nice pockets of quietness throughout throughout the library.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about the classroom. Yeah, there is. That's right. In the same area downstairs yeah, with. Uh, it's very close to e the um, e e one uh, classroom and so you're right there's a lot of traffic going in and out there um, the archives are down there I'm hoping to have more traffic of people using the archive so it's really it, it, it really I think could be tagged for a little bit more activity but I do think of this as kind of um, not like sort of cafeteria noise or like, you know, it's really more just conversational dialogue. It's collaborative noise. It's it's not screaming and yelling. It's not like a student union where students are playing foosball and just kind of shouting across from the other side of the room. Yeah, It's just collaborative conversation. Um, that's what we're trying to enable. And, you know, ultimately my goal, uh, if given enough time and resources, would be to transform the entire lower level of the library as i mentioned the weeding project that we had um we have most we have entirely compact shelving downstairs and uh some of it is not being used uh we have bound journals so those are journals that are uh, eventually they're you know they're individual but then once they're once they're expired they're bound together and they're put on shelves so uh you know, libraries are, are getting rid of their bound journals because nobody's looking at them, and a lot of it's online. So we could immediately, with stroke of pen, remove our, our bound journal uh, compact shelving without any, any damage to student access to, to knowledge. And then that area could immediately then be this sort of, like, area of activity. But the other compact shelving areas could also eventually be removed uh, once we do some weeding and then bring the books upstairs, Whatever books are left, bring them upstairs. So then my idea is not to create this massive maker space or whatever you want to call it. Actually, we're thinking a better word might be ideation lab, which is the place where you create ideas, make ideas come to life. It would actually not be that. It would be just study areas, but collaborative study, because students um, on the survey that we had, they want to learn together. They actually want to bounce ideas off each other. And, you know, the model at Sarah Lawrence is very much about student with um, with Don, you know, individual study, not a lot of collaborative models of learning, but yet students are wanting to do that. There's a social element to that. There's also a genuine learning piece to it. And this has come this came out in the survey. You know, how do I find out other students that are working on a project that has to do with psychology and dance? Or how do I find out about somebody that's working on global warming and um, Chinese theater? You know, who else is working in these areas? If we could have a way for students to understand what what each other's working on and then enable them to find each other and then work with each other in a formal or informal way in a space like the downstairs area where students actually could... Would could bring some mobile furniture together. It could be a drawing table. It could be a a drawing dry erase board It could be some furniture on wheels They could bring that together create their own little hub their own little nest and you could have that kind of furniture all over the place And because I've seen this, you know, Virginia Tech has got a great model of learning that the library there that's based on mobile furniture So students are then building their own uh, study walls and and it's changeable. It's flexible so I imagine uh, that kind of a design, that kind of a uh, sensibility, you know, to the lower area of the library. So maybe one area could be learning with technology and, you know, changing technology. It doesn't have to be the same all the time. And then w- and another area is a place where students can actually create their own study spaces, configurations with furniture. And um, to me, that's a living model. That's like a, a dynamic model of learning that... I just keep reading more and more about it. I've always wanted this kind of a model. It's becoming the norm. And quite honestly, we're a little bit behind the eight ball in this area. And so I truly hope that uh, whoever's listening to this would, will appreciate this idea and you know, help us give it some support.
0: Oh, well, that's great. Thank you for sharing your long-term vision. Uh, with us, um, just, and uh, this is more of a short-term thing, uh, and m- my last question for you is what has surprised you since you started working here?
1: Well, that's a great question. Um, I'll try to answer that in, a, in several ways. Um, when I first started working here, I was, I was truly I was humbled by the, um, by the kindness, by the kindness of people. Um, whether it's in the way they write their emails, in the way they begin and end their emails, their salutations, um, or in just the general uh, confrontations, not confrontations, but encounters I have with people, have always been uh, uh, very, very nice. And I thought, is it because I'm new? Is it always going to be like, is it like this? Is, 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 Is Sarah Lawrence like this? And that's, it's stayed true. Even though people will conflict and will argue with each other, um, it's civil, and and but in general, though, it stayed very, very kind and generous. Uh, people take the time to 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 like begin their email by saying, "Hope things are going well for you. Hope things are going smooth." That's just not something that I recall um, at my prior institutions. I personally would always communicate like that because that's just what the, the way I am. But then, but then seeing other people do that really warmed my heart, and that, and so, that that I guess you could say that was a little bit of a surprise. I, I, I kind of thought it was because I'm new, mm-hmm. but it, that's has that has remained. Um, the other thing that maybe that has surprised me is I didn't know the extent to which we all rely on each other to help with things, to pro- with projects and things. And I'm experiencing this because this is my first September. This is my first start of school. And I'm really seeing different departments rely on each other for for volunteers. You know, please help us out. We need greeters for for the new students. We need help here. So there's a lot of people wearing different hats and really needing to help each other. And And I'm realizing that's because we're a small school. I've never worked, this is the smallest school I've ever worked at. Um, you know, fifteen hundred, sixteen hundred students. It's pretty small. So, from I mean, from from my history, but that translates then in, at the departmental level too. Departments aren't very big either, and so there people do have to rely on each other. That's not a bad thing at all. Um, but it, but it was something I didn't expect, and I'm happy to help. I'm trying to volunteer and help as much as I can. Mm-hmm. So. But other than that, it's been actually a wonderful experience. I'm so happy to be here at Sarah Lawrence. And, and people told me when I was coming here that, oh, you're going to love it. It's great. I loved working there. I was there for four years, best four years I ever had. So I was like, really? Wow. I was like, why did you? I kind of wonder why people leave. Yeah. People have their own reasons for leaving. They need to, you know, I often think of workplaces as either
0: incubators. Yes. Or- I was going to ask you this. So are you... Um- <laughs> Uh, I think you're a nester, right? I'm a nester. I like to nest. You're either an incubator or a nester. If you're an incubator, you stay somewhere... And you, incub- incubate, you incubate, you, you like <laughs> grow slowly over time, and then you flourish and you fly you away. You fly away. Yeah. Well, whereas if you're a nester, you build a nest around You've you. You've already
1: incubated. You've,
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah, either yeah.
1: someplace else, and you're ready to nest, so you want to create a nest.
0: I love this analogy.
1: So um, I don't mind if we're an incubator, for, for especially for our young folks. Um, you know, we have there 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 was a bit of a turnover here. Some people call it a revolving door of librarians going in and out, you know, young librarians because, you know, you can't attract people if the salary is not that high. Um, that's that's a struggle for so many libraries. So these young people come in, they accept the salary, but then they get to a point four years, five years. They've done really good things. Maybe they've published a couple of articles and then they're ready to move on to another job, more responsibility, more money. Nothing wrong with that model. In fact, I would argue that it's good for an institution to have a little bit of of turnover because you have new ideas coming in. Exactly. So, but however, I'm trying to hope that my folks stay for like four or five years so that it's not too quick, so that we have a little bit of consistency and can develop a little bit more of a family sensibility that we're together, we're a team, and but but in fact, I'm encouraging my staff to use me as a reference for if they want to find another job. If you've been here three or four years, you want to move on, please let me know. And you, There's nothing better than a reference from your current supervisor. Yeah. Nothing better than that. And because, uh, you know, sure, it'll be hard to replace people. But sometimes you get a person that brings a whole new uh, skill, whole new skills and ideas. Yeah. So... Um, you know, that I, I truly believe in that idea of either incubate or it's okay if you want to nest. Because sometimes nesting is stability for me as a supervisor and other people. It's that reliable person that's always there, you can rely on them, they have history of the organization, and that's a good thing. There are good reasons for staying with an organization. I am a nester. Um, you know, things didn't work out for me in my previous job, but I was at Mercy College for like eighteen years. So, you know, I I feel like this is a nesting place for me and and I really, you know, I really enjoy being here. So that's all good stuff.
0: I really want to ask you another question. Go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what, how did you manage to work at one place for 18 years? Well...
1: Well, we got some folks here that are coming up to thirty years, twenty-five yeah. years.
0: I've been here for seven, over over seven, uh, nearly eight. And what I find is, I'm glad my job has changed throughout the years mm-hmm. um, because change can be good; it can be rejuvenating uh, rather than going through the same mundanity. Yeah. Um, but I, f- I, just through my own personal mental health. Issues that I've uh, had—it's made being a normal human being who comes to work from nine to five a bit taxing. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: And I'm in a pretty—I'm in a pretty good place now. Um, And this has nothing to do with the job. This has to do with my personal life. Yeah. Um, The job is great. Like the the job, Sarah Lawrence has done nothing but like give back to me, and I really like our crop of. uh, my coworkers, uh, like the kindness that you speak of, I I see that in emails as well, and I hear that in conversations as I walk around the back halls here. Um, but I sometimes find myself just being like, "Oh my god! Like, how am I going to go and just be a part a person for eight hours in the day? Like, how am I going to do it?" And the idea that to do it for eighteen years, I, I is uh, overwhelming to me.
1: Yeah. Well. Um, First of all, it's best to not even think about it, Tim. (laughs) Because if you think about the future, you can get depressed a little bit because you'll be like, oh, my God, I'm just going to keep doing this over and over again. I'm just going to have to have more meetings, and I'm going to have to do the same thing all the time. And it gets depressing, actually, to think. But it depends on the job. Like with other jobs, I might have had those thoughts. I don't have it as much here Mm. because I have this, I believe that there's flexibility and agility for me to make some of my ideas come to life. And at this stage in my career, um, you know, this is my third job as a library director. I really want to make some of my ideas come to life. That would give me so much fulfillment. And it's kind of starting to happen here. And I don't mind if it happens slowly. It took me 10 years, it took us 10 years to get a maker space at, at Mercy College. I don't mind if it takes a long time. It's just having those little wins along the way. Like we built the graffiti rooms; That's a little win. We're getting board games so students can play board games in the library. That's another little win. We have a 3D printer. Another little win. If we get a sewing machine, that's another activity that makes life fun that we can explore how to, how to integrate it. So all those things make the day different, make the month different. What's cool about being a library director is you're always hit with different issues all the time. And that's what makes it interesting. It's never always the same, and that's what I'm trying to. That's why I'm trying to throw things out to you guys. It doesn't always have to be the same. It can be a 3D printer today. Next year it could be GIS mapping software, and we, all of a sudden we have to become experts on how, um, how you know, how you can use GIS mapping to understand what's underneath the ground around Yonkers or something mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. and then connect with certain faculty. So thinking about how things can be different can make it m- the future a little bit more interesting but i got through my 18 years at mercy well for one thing cuz when i first started at mercy i had a I, I had two two kids were born i had two kids born and i was so focused on raising children that the time just flew by and <laughs> work is enabling you to be a parent and to yeah. raise children and so having children instantly consumes a decade.
0: <laughs>
1: You're done. I mean, you don't even know where it went. And you know, uh, so, but, but I remember I had moments at, at Mercy when I remember one day I was walking uh, into Mercy and it was snowing. And I just, suddenly this metaphor hit me that every snowflake represented a second, like one second of my life at being spent at Mercy. And all of a sudden I was being surrounded by days and seconds and minutes of my life flowing all around me. And it was, it was a little depressing. Yep. I was like, I'm just, I'm just, it's kind of like I'm just being surrounded by time. And, and all I can, all I'm going to do is keep going forward in this blanket of, of snow, of, of days ahead. Mm-hmm. And I like change as terrifying as change can be. I kind of forced myself to leave Mercy and to seek another position. Same with going from that, the other position to Sarah Lawrence. I needed people to push me. You know, My wife pushed me. Because, but I knew that change was good. The idea of staying at one place forever, I didn't like that. I don't like that idea. But for some people, it's a nest mm-hmm. and it's comforting and it gives stability. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I sometimes have this little bit of a restless nature and I want to shake the cage a little bit. But I can shake the cage internally. I'm shaking the internal cage of the library and trying to create new things for the library. That, that's a learning. That's how you learn. And learning is how we grow as we get older. I mean, we get older, but the only way we get younger is by learning new things. Those new things are a way of staying young. So, having all these ideas come to life is a way of staying young and staying learning and having an interesting life.
0: Everyone, That about does it for this episode of the Sarah Lawrence Library Podcast Thank you very much for joining us for this episode Thank you very much to Mustafa for sharing your thoughts and ideas with us It's always fun talking with Mustafa and getting into some philosophical topics It's always enjoyable um, But yeah, come visit us on September 3rd That's Saturday, September 3rd, 8pm to 10pm The library is having a party Come to the library party They'll be dancing and, and they'll be Food, And uh, there'll be different levels of dancing And different levels of music So if you want to be kind of chill and relaxed You can do so on the lower level If you want to have fun dancing and going a little crazy You can do so on the main level And we really just wanted to see, well, We're just I mean, me personally, I'm just curious to see how this turns out. So I hope you're curious as well. And then you'll come visit us. uh, That is Saturday, September 3rd, 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. So thank you very much for that. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the podcast. Give it a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts if you are so inclined. Follow us on social media at SLC Library on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for news, updates, and archival images. And visit the website where you can check your library account you can book a study room you can book a consultation any of the number of resources that you need to achieve your best in academic in your academic career we are here to help make that happen so thank you very much students staff faculty and the like who listen parents who listen to this podcast we really appreciate it and we hope you spread it far and wide with all your friends all right that about does it for this episode until next time